Hey everybody, this is Summer Terry here, and on this episode of May the Horse Be With You, my brand new rehab specialist, Annie, is joining me. So everybody welcome her to the podcast, and we're sitting down today with Tonda Collins, the owner and developer of Equiresp, which is the equine nebulizing system that we use in our therapy barn and we really really like it and a lot of the barrel racing industry is really really familiar with it because I kind of feel like that's a little bit of her background but we're gonna kinda break it down and talk about why this therapy is so successful how she's grown her business and you know because we're we're a big supporter of small businesses we're gonna also kind of talk about, you know, what it's like to be kind of a one-woman production and all the research and the things that go to into developing a new product and launching something that honestly is used globally now, like starting as a small business and reaching a big global scale. So, um, yeah, well, welcome, Tonda. Introduce yourself and, and kind of give us your background. Okay. Hi. I'm glad to be here. I'm so thankful that Summer asked me to do this for y'all. Uh, again, my name is Tonda Collins. Um, my background is one, I've been in horses my entire life. I rodeoed, I put on ropings, barrel racings. Um, for 15 years, for 15 years, I was in medical sales with Medline Industries, which is one of the largest manufacturers and distributors of healthcare products in the world. Uh, the last three, I was vice president of their animal health division. My job was to go around to the major universities, to the large vet clinics, find out what their heartburn was, and see how we could help uh, with our products at Medline. Because again, so many of the human products cross over to the animal market. Exactly, yeah, we see a lot of that. You bet. One of the things, I had a rep in Louisville, Kentucky call me about the product Equisilver. And I was very intrigued because in the human world, silver is used in every uh, wound care unit, every burn unit, it is, you won't find a, a unit without a silver product because it is a natural antimicrobial, bacterial, viral, and fun fungus, and no one is allergic to it. So I went over and met with the owner of Equisilver. I was very intrigued with what he was doing. And I started researching nebulizers, equine nebulizers. And at the time, there was basically only two on the market. There was one that weighs 50 pounds. The mass looked like a black flower pot. Cost, <laughs> seriously, I mean, you, it looked like it came from Lowe's. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, it, and it cost $8,500. The oh, other wow. one was okay, but it had like 15 pieces and parts. When I talked to the vets, they really hated it because their techs were either losing the parts, they, ha it, they had to take it apart to clean it. It just wasn't fun. Well, they I, certainly weren't something that the average person could use no, either, it doesn't sound like. It makes it very difficult, and it was expensive. Um, when I got to talking to the universities, they said, yeah, we know about nebulizing, but we don't really teach it because we'd just rather give a shot and move on. And I understand that with the vets. So what I did, I researched for three years, uh, not only silver, but different respiratory uh, ways of doing a nebulizer for a horse. I developed and patented a mask design that is super easy to use. It's soft, clear, flexible, will fit on any size animal from literally we've had on Billy the Bulldog doing having an asthma attack all the way up to draft horses. Um, having a respiratory division at Medline was a huge uh, part of it because I could 
uh, bounce ideas off of them before I, I came into to play. So we designed something with only three pieces, super easy to use. Literally a child can put this on a horse. Uh, where everything else had gone to the vets, I made this for the end user that someone could do it on their, themselves, that they could take the time because your end user is the one who's spending the time with the horse. They're the ones that are brushing it, doing the therapy, spending that time because to do nebulization right, it does take time. You right. can't just stick it on there and walk off and think it's done. It is a process. So that's why I went with the end user. Uh, when we first started, we... Uh, we started five years ago and again started in the barrel industry because that's what I knew. Uh, Facebook became a huge part of our business in developing our, our advertising model. People started doing what they called equiselfies, posting pictures of them nebulizing their horse. That's awesome. I, like I mean, it. it was crazy. <laughs> I like it, the name. Yeah, equiselfies. And I can't even remember who coined that phrase, but it be, really became a thing. People would actually post pictures of getting the box. You know, they'd lay everything out, and it's like, okay, that's awesome. I own the company, and I'm not that excited. But they saw real value, and they saw benefit, and they saw real results very quickly. We literally have had uh, barrel horses take a half second off their first run after using or doing a, a treatment. We've had horses that were bleeding through six cc's of Lasix uh, get completely off of it, heaves. Uh, asthma, allergies, pneumonia, you name it, we've pretty much seen it. Guttural pouch issues. Um, and these are things that are coming back to us from our customers. But again, everything that we do is science-based. We do not put anything out there that we cannot back up scientifically with what we do. Right. Uh, the Equisilver, again, I researched it. There is a huge difference in silvers. Yeah, so what's the difference in like your, you know, we're kind of all familiar with like your colloidal silver, but the equisilver is a chelated silver, correct? Right. So it, what, what is the difference there? Okay, colloidal silver is, is a dietary supplement. You read on the bottle, it is a dietary supplement. People have taken it for years, uh, have drank it. It's usually 10 to 14 parts per million, which is important. It's also a much larger molecule, so it doesn't nebulize unless you have very specific uh, equipment to nebulize it with. The other problem is so many people make it themselves. They buy a $49 piece of equipment, uh, stick some silver in there, some water, and they consider that they've made it themselves. Which, is, have, how, which is how you end up turning yourself blue. There, right. was, there was a gentleman that, that was making it in his basement. And, yeah. it, and the sad thing is he almost ruined everybody's opinion of colloidal silver right. because he was doing it incorrectly. Right. Like, <laughs> Leave the science up to the professionals. Absolutely. And again, unless you have very uh, scientific equipment, you can't tell how um, uh, effective it is. If the particles are there, if the, there's no certificate of analysis on colloidal silver, uh, because it is considered a dietary supplement, the FDA has put out several warnings about using colloidal silver, even for people drinking it, because there is no true government body that, that takes over and watches over it. And again, you have so many people bottling it in their barn or their garage and sticking a label on it and swearing it's, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, we've seen everything from people talking about it will cure acne, chigger bites, leprosy. I haven't seen a leper in a long time, so maybe they, it does. Uh, <laughs> blue bonnet plague, um, asthma. I mean, crazy, crazy, crazy things that they claim that it will do. And you have to use a little common sense and say, yes. okay, really, seriously, let's, let's look at it. 
And that's a lot of what we have to sort through, you right. know, like in our daily thing is it's just like, it, yeah, I, there are very few miracle cures. Like it, that's what I tell everybody. Like, no, I want to hear about statistics and I want to hear the science behind something. Right. And if you think about it too, in all these years of colloidal silver being on the market, if it does all those great things, why hasn't a large pharmaceutical company corralled it, the FDA approved it, and put it on the market at an outrageous price? So you have to use some common sense on these things. The chelated silver that we use was actually developed by a vet in Lexington, Kentucky. He is a very well-known vet over there. He's been in the business for decades. Um, he is the one who created the, the product, and it is strictly for equine nebulization. Chelated silver is a process, and it is a very high-dollar thing to, to do. The equipment made uh, to chelate the silver uh, is in a laboratory. Our product is actually made in an FDA-approved laboratory and bottled in an FDA-approved bottling company. But chelated silver is a much finer particle, and it's 100 to 110 parts per million. That is why it nebulizes so well, because it's a much smaller particle and will get down lower into the respiratory system. Okay. So that's the difference between the chelated and the colloidal silver. Now then, in the last year or two, there's been people that have tried to come out with a chelated complex and you have to be extremely careful with that. You have to read on the back of the label because it literally has surfactants in it. Oh. Uh, if you read, I mean, it has uh, glycerin, it has um, EDTA, it has a lot of different things in there that are designed for antiseptic, but not to nebulize. And unfortunately, people have tried to nebulize it and it has caused some serious issues. Okay. The poor horses can't tell you. Yeah, okay. So those are the differences between the silvers. Well, and, and since we were kind of talking a little bit about our background, I mean, like I said, you, you and I know each other through the barrel racing world. And, you know, Annie, let's kind of go into your background on the English side and, and kind of some of the breathing issues that, that are on that side of the world. Um, so I think the thing that you run into on the English side of it is your inventors are going to be your ones that are, you're going to see the most issues with. We're asking a lot more of them over, you know, multiple days in a row um so it's going to be similar to your barrel racing horses as well as your race horses um you know and your hunters we're not asking them to give them you know 100 percent every single time they're going to be a little bit slower and um, the work's not as hard um your jumpers it's going to be a timed event so that's where you're going to also see your breathing issues because you're asking them to go full blast and you're asking them to make sharp turns and it's a little bit harder on them um, so I think, you know, that's where it's going to be the most important, um, to have Equiresp. Okay. Um, the other thing too, is again, with what we're doing, we, in my research, I started looking when I go to the vet conferences for books on respiratory, there was not, there was, they would say, well, here's an anatomy book and it's got something about respiratory in it until five years ago, there was not one book written on equine respiratory diseases until Dr. Lauren Cotill from Purdue wrote it. And in that book is only three pages on nebulization. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you think it just kind of got swept under the rug because a, a lot of horses bleed and you don't realize they're bleeding? Or was it just something that just hasn't just kind of got accidentally looked over? It did. And again, it was kind of a three-pronged thing. The time it took, the expense of the equipment, 
and if they really did the scoping or different things to make sure that the horse had an issue. So the vets just didn't want to take the time, and I'm not saying anything about vets, please. Vets have told me this. This is something that's come from vets. And that's why it does take time to do this and why I went to the end user on it. Right. Well, and it's the same thing with the rehab deal. Right. You know, a vet, a vet doesn't have time to do all of the small rehab stuff that right. we do. So that's why you work together as a team. You know, mm -hmm. the vets refer the horse here for the rehab or, you know, they're going to direct customers that have breathing issues to somebody like you because you can't learn everything. It takes a village to keep a good horse going and so there's several working parts Absolutely. it's not that they don't care it's that you specialize in what you know right. and what you don't know you refer to somebody that does you know and the thing too coming from the human world to the vet world and seeing the difference in the way human doctors look at things and vets vets truly do care yeah, i mean it course. is not just a business to them they are there for the animals and for your support uh, so I cannot take anything away from the vets. But again, they have time restraints. They stu still have to pay their bills and do everything. Going to the Association of Equine Practitioners conference every year, uh, the first year or two, it was like dead silence at my booth. The last three <laughs> years, you know, they kind of walk by and go, oh, cute, funny, huh? You know, the last three years, especially this year in Denver, I cannot tell you how many vets are coming up and saying, I love your product. You have the best mask. Uh, design you know there is uh, we love your product we've used it on this horse we've we've had horses with fungus in their lungs that the product that you gave them was an IV solution $300 a day for 10 days a lot of people didn't want to spend that this vet bought one bag of it nebulized it did the same thing so again when you're dealing with respiratory the more that you can get right into the lungs the better it is if you're going through the digestive system with a supplement or through uh, the bloodstream with something IV or something like that, you're, you're diluting it and you're not getting to the heart of the problem. Well, plus you're being able to treat without putting any more strain right. on the stomach because, I mean, we know ulcers are a problem in performance horses too. So any way that you can treat without actually having to put something directly on the stomach, I feel like is an advantage in itself. Well, and one thing that we're, we're starting to kind of research, and again, I'm all about research, um, is the correlation between ulcers and respiratory because respiratory goes undiagnosed so many times. People don't look at it. If their horse is fading off of the barrel, if they're fighting in the alleyway, typically it's, let's put a different bit on them. Let's do this, let's do that. Mm -hmm. And not realizing, and then all of a sudden the horse comes down with ulcers too. Right. Well, a lot of times that fighting in the alleyway is the horse is anticipating not being able to breathe. Right. And so that's creating anxiety for the horse all the way around. If they're just a little light cough, things like that. People don't realize that sometimes that small cough is actually a large problem in the lungs. Right. And it just is starting to present itself. So the more you can keep the lungs healthy ahead of time and condition the horse properly, do the therapies on them, and then do the treatments to keep their lungs healthy, the better your horse is going to respond all the way around. Well, and that's kind of where I would go with that is you know, just because you don't have a high-end performance horse that's running barrels or it's going to the racetrack or things like that, you know, you see coughs in every single horse that you, you're around, you know. Um, you know, Morgan barns, you see coughs. You see coughs in hunter-jumper barns. That, that's a pretty popular thing. And we just go to treat with antibiotics, and we don't ever think about, can this horse breathe? Does he have issues? Um, we just go with, well, he's sick. Right. Well, and think about, too, like even on the halter side of the world, like – you know, take a horse that, that doesn't run, that mm -hmm. doesn't, that, 
stays in a barn all the time. You've got allergens, you've got dust, you've got things like that. And, and to be honest, I mean, if you don't have good oxygen exchange in the body, your body's not going to heal. I mean, that's part of how I looked at this piece of equipment for a rehab facility. If you don't have enough oxygen circulating through the body, your body can't heal itself and you sure can't gain muscle or get fit because without oxygen, nothing in the system works. Right. Absolutely. So you've got to have that great lung function, Mm -hmm. well, literally to function for lack of a better word. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is for long, for so long, people looked at the legs and guts. That was the main focus of everything. If the, you know, if they were not performing right, they were either having problems with their legs or it was their gut or something like that and not realizing that it was a respiratory issue. There are some great studies and we have some really good articles on our uh, website about the conditioning of horses. Uh, you know, at, in the United States, it's let's throw Lasix at them if they're starting to bleed. Over in Europe, it's completely banned. Uh, the Thoroughbred Association is looking at banning it. Um, if you read some of the articles that we have, over there and some of the larger thoroughbred farms in Lexington, it's all about conditioning, keeping the, the horses in good ventilation, circulation. Uh, talking earlier about the uh, being in the barns and coughing. You go to an event and here in Oklahoma City at the fairgrounds, let's say the BFA in December, uh, they close up that barn. They've had events from August all the way through December. You walk into the super barn and your eyes start burning from all the, <laughs> yeah. the, the urine smell. Day three, yeah. uh, the ammonia in there is like death, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I use a good analogy is if you're walking in there and you're starting to get stopped up and then you're going, you're, you're able to go in and out. Your poor horse is standing there 24-7. They are breathing all this in. They get allergens from different areas. Uh, because every horse that comes from a different area has different allergens, the different shavings that they're that they're getting, those things all play a part of it. So it's good to keep their lungs healthy by doing a treatment before doing a once weekly maintenance. We don't advocate doing this every single day. We don't want people doing it every day unless the horse really has an issue. Well, and let's go back to even the anatomy side of things of just the functionality mm-hmm. of how horses were created. You know, when you think of it, your lung span almost covers the entire side of that horse where, you know, take a person, we, we're a little more proportioned correctly. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I've, I kind of feel like God designed these animals to run. It's, it's the same reason that cattle, the, the stomachs are a right. bigger portion of the cow. Like I, I, a lot of times I don't think unless somebody has sat down and really watched videos, a lot of times I don't think they realize the lung capacity of a horse yeah. and the size of those lungs that you're trying to fit and condition yeah. because there, there's a lot that goes into the way creatures are developed for the jobs that they do. Absolutely. Uh, people are shocked when they realize that the lungs take up a third of the body cavity. Thank you. I didn't know the exact yeah. measure, so I wasn't, that... wasn't going to reach for some. I knew where I was going with that, but I didn't quite yeah. have my facts straight there. A horse so, can thank breathe, you for that. A horse can breathe in up to 56 liters of air at a time, where a human is seven to eight liters of air. That's why, again, we've had people try to use human nebulizers and different things. They it's not going to get deep enough. No, it's not. It's, it's gonna not do, designed to. It's designed to. It's going to be like using a nasal spray on a horse. And you've spent $400 or $500 on something that is doing nothing but getting the nasal passages and sinus cavities. That's why you've got to have something that is proven. And, again, everything we do is scientifically proven. We did the nuclear scintigraphy study to prove that we get all the way into the lungs. We went to one of the top vet clinics in the country, Haggard's in Lexington, 
had Dr. Nathan Slovis, who is known all over the world, uh, do the, the study for us to prove that we do and have a good solid background on what we're doing. But again, people, I have a, video, a picture on our website of a horse's lungs and my, my glasses are at the very bottom of it and it looks like a little ant. Right. You know, and because so I've seen some shocked. videos on Facebook, yeah. you know, where they they have some cadavers and things, and they show you know the inflation of the lungs uh -huh. and people yeah, I, I don't think you realize. And so, you know, from a fitness standpoint, you've got to get that fit because you take an average person, um, you know, that's the reason you don't just jump off your couch and go run a five k because if you don't condition your body to be able to have the whole use of your lungs you're only maybe using the upper chamber. You're only using right. part of the function of them. And for what we ask these horses to do, part of the function doesn't quite work very well. No, no. And it ends up causing problems because again, the horse is not conditioned. It's like you asking them to run a 10 K every single day and they're breathing in that air. They're, they're starting to get raspy. They're starting to get a little sore, uh, roughage in there and it creates the problem. Yeah. And in like, as somebody growing up with asthma, the harder you breathe, the less oxygen you actually right. take in. And then you get you scared know. and it starts an anxiety and it creates a lot of issues. Yes. So, you know, being able to condition those horses where they can actually take that deep breath and they're using their lungs the way they're designed is going to go a lot farther to preventing lameness, preventing accidents, mm -hmm. preventing something that oversteps, you know, it's like, you have a horse and if they're going into the third barrel and they're already running out of air, you know, they may not make a good collected turn. They may just kind of slingshot around that barrel and they're that horse that you see slip on the backside or, or they end up bleeding on the run home. Yes. You know, like I, I feel like it also comes back into a training principle of you can't, you can have a trained horse, but you can't ask them to do something that's past their physical limit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, the conditioning, the barn conditions, people are, are just now starting to become aware that the barns have to be more open. You have to turn your horses out. You have to let your horse be a horse. For sure. They cannot be treated like a human being because they're completely different anatomies. And a horse is a grazing animal. They're used to having their head down. They're used to being out in the open with the air and being able to breathe in natural air. When we stick them in a barn, in a stall with shavings and Poor ventilation, you're creating a problem in, in itself. Right. Well, uh, we're going to kind of wrap up this first part here. And then when I come back, like I'd like you to kind of break down the different types of systems that you have because okay. I know you have some different options. And maybe we'll talk about like kind of how to use the system. Okay. So hang with us and we'll be back in just a second. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the second section here. And so Tonda, kind of tell me. Tell me a little bit how to use the Equarest. Tell me the different types that you have. You know, are there different units? Um, kind of give us an overview of like how the equipment works. Okay. Yes, we have basically three different units. We have our Elite system, which is 100% proven to get deep into the lungs. It is a road warrior. It can take a licking and keep on ticking. Uh, but it's also electric. One thing that we that makes us different from others is that we have a pressure gauge on it because again when you're in a barn and it could be 30 degrees one day or 100 degrees the next day like it's going to be tomorrow and saturday here in oklahoma <laughs> yeah snowing um, and then back to 60. welcome to oklahoma can, yeah <laughs> it, it can change the pressure so you may not be getting the optimum pressure to nebulize at the right particle size uh, or elevation can change we have a lot of the pro girls that are 
traveling up into Canada, different places, that can also change the pressure. So the pressure gauge is important on, on our elite system to prove that it gets into the lungs. We just came out with our new Equimist, which so many people wanted a battery operated unit. I will never say that a battery operated is going to get as deep as what our Elite does, but it is great to take on the road for those light issues, just to do a treatment to keep them healthy or before you run, if they've been staying in a barn that's really dusty dirty and you just wanna get them cleaned out. Then we have our Contender, which we have so many people use it on uh, smaller animals. I had no idea people would spend $50,000 on a show hog, but they do. And right. hogs get a ton of respiratory. Goats, sheep. Well, it makes um, sense. They're lower to the ground. They're, they're right. getting more of that dust and dirt and everything out of the shavings because they're lower to it. Right. So we have our, our contender system for the smaller animals and for your dogs. Uh, uh, we have a lot of people that use it on the bulldogs because they get a lot of respiratory, system, uh, right. respiratory issues. So when we sell a system, we like to talk to a customer. You'll hear it on my answering machine if you ever call me. Uh, if I haven't called you back in half a day, I didn't get the message. I feel I have a responsibility to handle the calls from the customers. Uh, so I when also, they call, they're not talking to a sales rep. They're no. not talking like they're talking to, directly to you, right. which I feel like also is you know that benefit of a small business you of you know you're you're cutting out. You're not having to dial extension whatever. Like right. you're you're getting straight a hold of you. Right. And to back that up, I have three top vets and two respiratory therapists, both with over 30 years experience on my advisory board. Both of the respiratory therapists are horsewomen. They have had horses their entire lives. So they understand the whole respiratory thing and how it applies to the animals as well. So if I can't answer the question, I've got them. Plus I've got Mickey Blue who owns Equisilver and Dr. KV who created it that I can talk to. So again, never anything that's just kind of shot out there and say oh well let's try this let's do that everything I do is based on the science or based on what the professionals tell me so when we do treatments we typically start with an eight straight day uh, if the horse doesn't have whether they're a bleeder or they have issues we feel like that eight day treatment kind of gets them cleaned out because again you may not know if it's a bacterial viral fungal uh, that are a, a microbial that is causing the issue within the lungs. There are so many different things that can cause uh, bleeders or different things. The allergens have been become huge with horses. Years ago, who ever thought about looking at allergies? Right. You know, on horses now. But we see it more more often in people, and we see it younger in people as well right. now. And because there is so much more in the uh, the air. Last night on the news, they were talking about the uh, red cedars in Texas. You know, they're starting to explode. I will start getting a lot of calls from Texas because the horses are being affected by the red cedars. So again, we start with eight straight days if they have the elite system. Uh, then based on that, I like to have the customer call me back. Let's see where they're at. If, they're, if they have a bleeder, then what we wanna to try to do, if they're running on Lysix, is try to drop them down. We may not get a horse completely off of Lysix, but we can at least drop them down to a manageable amount. And we try to do that in uh, half cc increments. Okay. So that we can get them and do it slowly so that we, one, you're conditioning the horse better. Two, you're, you're getting their lungs healed with the Equisilver. 
Then if by some chance the Equisilver isn't cutting it, then let's get with your vet. Let's find out what he wants to nebulize because we do have a full list. Oh, so there drugs. are medications that you can Absolutely. nebulize as well. Absolutely. Okay. You know, one that we like to use a lot is genomycin. Uh, I used it on the horses that were burned out in West Texas uh, three years ago. Mixed it with the Equisilver and had great results. It's okay. very good for pneumonia. Uh, those snotty noses, the upper respiratory, mixing it with the, the Equisilver works very well. And, then, and I think would be easier on the stomach than absolutely. having to put them on antibiotics. Right. Um, you're, you're kind of eliminating that ulcer factor from the stomach by nebulizing. Right. Uh, the clenbuterols, the albuterols, that sort of thing. Um, when you nebulize them, that's what they're designed for. I mean, Venipulman, people like to, to give the Venipulman mm -hmm. orally or through a shot. You can nebulize it, and you're getting right to the heart of the issue. Well, it's just like an asthma person. I mean, right. that, that's the same thing. You know, your, all of your buterols are the same type of things that are in our inhalers mm -hmm. and our nebulizers for people as well. Right. You know, and people, one, we've created a lot of the issues for our horses. We're traveling more with them. Horses, you know, back when I ran barrels, we, you know, you could go to a barrel race within 50 miles of the house every night. You exactly. Know. Now people are traveling to Texas. They're going to Louisiana. They're going to the bigger races, We, you know, which is great. They're going to Georgia. Mm -hmm. uh, and their horses are coming back with allergens. And are they're like, oh, my gosh, my horse never had an issue until I went here. Well, yeah. the different allergens are causing the issue. My husband's from uh, South Carolina and Georgia. He was in the hospital every year with his asthma. Every single year he was in the hospital. When he moved out here to Oklahoma, he hasn't been to the hospital once. The allergens are different. So, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's interesting because I feel like the allergens are worse in Oklahoma yeah, typically. Yeah, but it's different. His was the tree mold okay. and the trees over there. Ours is the dust, the dirt, you know, right. the, the weeds, that sort of thing. So, again, you have to look at that. We have a lot of customers that go from uh, Canada to Florida during the winter months, and all of a sudden the horses get sick. Uh, again, different allergens. So you have to look at those things. And a little quick thing that I like to look at uh, if your horse is starting to present signs of allergies, every night on the news, on the weather, they show the different allergens, uh, how high they are. Like the trees, it was high last night. Grass is, is next to nothing. Kind of follow that and see when your horse is having issues. Right. And you'd be surprised what you can figure out what the issue is on your horse. So is there anything you can't nebulize? Is there anything that, that's not safe to put in the lungs? A lot of things. Uh, my biggest issue and my biggest pet peeve is people trying to nebulize essential oils. There is a place for essential oils, and I understand that, but aromatherapy is not respiratory therapy. Right. There is a huge difference. Think about putting an oil, especially one that is so concentrated uh, that one drop can scent a full room. Okay, you're putting that in your horse's lungs that is already under distress because they have some sort of respiratory issue, you're creating more of a problem. We have a very good article on our uh, website from a specialist in essential oils. Uh, she is well known in the essential oil world and one of our respiratory therapists explaining the differences and why you do not use lungs, uh, oils in the lungs. You can do you know, the, the scent of the lavender to keep them calm outside. But again, if your horse has a serious respiratory, you want to try to keep every scent away from them. 
That's why even when we clean our mask, our disinfectant has no odor. It is a silver disinfectant. It is used in hospitals in the NICU, but it has absolutely no odor. You don't want to use a Clorox. You don't want to use a Pine Sol or something that has a scent because your horse already has a respiratory. Why try to exasperate it when you when they're already having issues? Well, and I think two people don't realize, you know, that you're. I don't want to use the term forcing, but you know, you're, you're putting a lot into the lungs and I don't think they realize how sensitive that organ is. Absolutely. You know, there's so many vessels, there's so much, you know, so much blood flow and things that are going mm-hmm. through there. It, it's a really, really sensitive organ. Right. Um, it's not like putting on something topical where your body can go ahead and detox it. Um, you know, cause you're putting it straight into that organ. Absolutely. And your poor horse can't tell you, you know, they, people look at, it, they say, Oh, well my horse just, you know, they're just not worth it anymore. They're just not it because we have created a problem within that horse's respiratory right. system and they can't tell you. Well, and it's one thing, you know, like it's a good test on yourself too. Like if you've ever gotten a cleaning spree, because I am totally like, I can't clean one thing in the bathroom. It's I'm either going to clean yeah. all of the bathroom or not. And if you've ever fogged yourself out in a bathroom, like using Clorox or some of that, like mm-hmm. that teaches you how hard things are in your lungs because if you've ever done that once and used too much chemical, you will fill it for days and weeks afterwards. Absolutely. Um, I actually, one time, um, and again, I'm, I'm somebody, I've had childhood asthma. I've had asthma my whole life. I was putting wound powder on a horse one time and the wind caught it and blew it and I breathed it down and literally thought I was going to die oh, right yeah. out there in the paddock. I was like, this is, this is how I go right out here by this horse. But I can remember the lasting effects of that one incident on my lungs for like, two or three weeks I would have this random cough and it's just from that one little piece of powder that got Mm -hmm. in there. So, I mean, the lungs are really, really sensitive. Yes. And people are just now starting to realize how sensitive they are, how large they are and how much they really control everything that the horse is doing. Because again, as you were talking about, if the blood isn't oxygenated, it affects their brain. It affects their, their performance. It it uh, affects their muscles it affects everything. So your lungs are really the first go-to for your horse. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, again, without oxygen, the body just doesn't work. Um, so let, let's talk about shows. Like, you see a lot of people setting up with booths at shows because you've talked to us about doing an eight-day program on a horse. But, uh, you know, is there any benefit of getting treated just three days at a show? Is there a benefit in doing one treatment? Like, what... What's the difference there? What do you suggest? We actually, uh, when we very first started, you know, we were doing treatments at uh, different events to show people how easy it was to do and, and explain it while we were doing a treatment. But yes, we've actually seen people in one treatment take a half second off their run. Okay. Three treatments take a, a full second off their run. Uh, anytime, again, as I was talking in the first section, when you're at an event and it's dusty, dirty, nasty, and if you're getting stopped up, so is your horse. So again, doing those treatments while you're at an event, and that's why we say do a treatment two hours out so that they've got time to exudate. I also think it's extremely important that when you're leaving an event, you do a treatment, especially if you've got horses from all over the country, they've been enclosed, do a treatment because once you tie that horse's head up in the, in the trailer, they can't exudate. You've just created a Petri dish. Now, when you're talking about that, like explain that term. Exudate, Mm -hmm. being able to cough it out, being able to get it out of their system. Because when a horse puts their head down, and you know, you see a lot of times when horses are grazing, they'll snort. That's because they're getting something out of the respiratory. So is that kind of the same as us taking a deep breath or a sigh? Absolutely. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
but you know, kind of back to like your show situation there, like, okay, so say I do a treatment on my horse two days in a row and I've taken half a second off of my time. Do I need to go to the vet Monday morning to see why this works? No, or? because again, it's the same as when you get your, your, your system cleaned out, like taking a good hot shower and all of a sudden you're breathing easier. It's not that it's that you've fixed an issue. It's, it's just that the horse is it's better function, better function. They've got oxygen in their lungs now. Okay. That makes so sense. So if they're bleeding though, then yes, I, I absolutely think that you need to work with your vet on anything that is a serious issue. Do not just take everybody's viewpoint of what's going on. Or we have so many armchair quarterbacks in the industry and God love them. They want to help. And I understand that. But if they don't understand the science of the lungs, if they don't understand what's going on in the products, and this is another thing that I like to teach as well, and I get on a soapbox about it, read the labels, read what you're giving your horse, read and see what it is. Look on their website, see if they have any studies, see if they've been used in university. Read that because your horse, you've got to be your horse's advocate. Yes, and you've that's one thing that we preach a lot is, you know, if you get on a website and there's no studies to back it up, you know, I'm, I'm not going to listen to so-and-so on Facebook. Like you need this because it worked for me. Like right. I want to hear the science behind it. Why does it work? How does it work? And you know, back to the bleeding deal, really, unless you scope your horse, you don't really know what's causing the, it. Yeah. What's causing it or the extent of it. And you know, your vet has so many tools. You can do allergy testing. You can check for ulcers. You can, um, again, like scope for bleeding, uh, dynamic scopes are amazing. We've had some some horses that we put on the treadmill that Oak Ridge has brought over their dynamic scope and put them on them while they were in the aqua tread. Um, mm -hmm. We had a horse that Oak Ridge was able to diagnose a soft palate issue because we had the dynamic scope while the horse was exercising on the aqua tread, and we were able to point blank see it right there. Absolutely. Um, and again, so the therapies, you know, like the the diagnostic side of things is advanced so much. Like the diagnostic scopes are just really, really neat. Absolutely. Or dynamic scopes, I mean, sorry. You know, and again, bleeding can be caused uh, by different things. Uh, they do find that most of the uh, bleeders are caused by a virus that is in the lungs. Okay. Uh, that has been proven. There are studies on that. But again, it can be allergens, just that their their uh, respiratory, their, their throat, for lack of a better word, has gotten real raspy. And, you know, like sometimes when you cough real hard and you get real sore, same thing with the horse. Or it could be a fungus. We've had, I literally ne never heard of fungus in the lungs until I started this. And horses get fungus in their Interesting. lungs. And so that's, again, why the Equisilver works so well, because it's a natural antimicrobial, bacterial, viral, and fungal. Uh, but again, before, it's great to listen to your friends and that your friends have been in the horse business or they know somebody that's been in the horse business for years. But do your own research. You are your horse's best advocate. Go on the website. See what studies they have. If they're a legitimate company, they're going to put their studies on the website. They're not just going to tell you. Right. They're going to show you that they've done the studies and that they've done what they need to to prove their product. I agree. And it's very, very important. You know, there's a product out there that it's $150 a gallon. It's supposed to be great for coughing and, and all this stuff. You read it, and it's a Ricola cough drop. Oh, well, there's... You know, okay. when you read the, what, what's in the product, go buy a $3.99 bag of Ricola cough drops, 
stick them in water and you've got the same product and you've saved yourself over $145. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, but seriously, it's, it's it, all in reading labels and seeing what they state on the labels. Well, and I feel like too, it's being able to align yourself with a company that you can trust. Absolutely. A company that's not just trying to sell you a product that actually, you know, cares for the horse because there, there's a lot of things out there. I mean, there's a lot of snake oils out there Absolutely. and, and it's hard to navigate if you're you know, like where I have a little bit of the edge kind of like you did where I started in the human profession and then worked my way over to the horse side of things, you know, you or I may be able to read the back of a label a little better than the next person. So I feel like that's again where, you know, we're not asking anybody to have a doctorate degree, no. but you've got to be able to talk to the company and ask questions like, and you can Google everything. Yes. And, and, you know, I always, that's one of the biggest things that I advise my customers is like, ask questions, ask your vet why they do something. You're not judging them for doing it by asking mm -hmm. why it's the only way you know how to learn. Right. Um, I still ask a ton of questions. I learn something every time I do this podcast, I learn something that I didn't know. Right. You know, and what people don't, or most people don't understand is that equine or animal products are not regulated. They are not regulated by the FDA like human products are. Unless it is going into an animal that is going to be used for human consumption, there are no, no, nothing there to uh, say that it cannot be used. So again, that's why you get so many products that are made in someone's garage or made uh, in, in a barn or they just put stuff together. They may have a business, but they really have not done the science. They've not taken the time to go to the universities to do the studies or even gotten what you call the anecdotal uh, test uh, studies, which is when people start posting all their testaments, uh, like we have on our, our uh, website and our Facebook okay. page, anecdotal studies are considered a study. So when you've got 50 people saying this has helped with bleeders, uh, you know, that they've given that, that is considered anecdotal. And this was something that I learned uh, when, when I started, when I went over to Animal Health with Medline. Yeah, I actually wasn't aware yeah. of that either. So, But you've got to be very cautious about what you give. And again, you are your horse's best advocate. And don't just take everybody's word for something. So then, you know, I'm going to assume you've been through all the rigorous testing and, um, you know, all the drug testing and, and the mm -hmm. regulations and things. Like, I know uh, the English side is a lot more heavily regulated than a lot of, like, you know, what our rodeos and our uh, AQHA shows and things Absolutely. are. So like. What all goes into that testing and why is that even important? Well, again, uh, first of all, Equisilver has been around for 13 years. It's used at a lot of universities across the country. Uh, University of Texas, Florida, Georgia, California, Purdue. Uh, those are just some of the ones that I can state. So they've been using it already. Talking about the English world, I have a uh, world-class eventer, Lauren Kiefer, who is an Olympian, um, that uses our products. It had to be vetted by the, the Olympic vets before she could use it. For me to even advertise in their publication, their vets had to approve our product that it was solid, that we had the, the documentation and the studies behind it, uh, which in the, the Western world you don't see much of. You know, it doesn't happen unless it's in the racehorse industry and they're trying to get rid of, uh, you know, everything from Butte and, and Lasix. And Lasix is going to be going away, whether people like it or not. It's going to be going away. So they do a really, I mean, I wouldn't say good job, but they're trying to level the playing field. When it comes to the hunters and the jumpers and the eventers, they're trying to level the playing field, but at what expense to the horse? You know, that's what it comes down to. Um, you know, 
I'm one of those people that when I go to a horse show for three days, I'm pretty dang sore. I'm taking ibuprofen and I'm taking Tylenol and I'm trying to make sure that I'm not sore because I'm there 18 hours on concrete. Um, so I think that's kind of a hard thing is they try to rule out all these drugs and it's like, is it really such a bad thing that we gave my horse an aspirin, you know? Um, but then there's the people that overload it and they're hiding things and they're, they're running horses that are sore and they're riding horses that have issues. Um, so they're trying to even the playing field, but, you know, sometimes they end up ruling out stuff that really does help the horse. Right. Well, and one thing I think that we will end up seeing is people will circle back around to a fitness aspect is what it does is it forces you to prepare for that competition. That eliminates the, oh, I drug my horse out of the pasture and I haven't been on him in six months, but I'm going to go do this thing with him. Right. Because, yeah. because now, you know, if you can't give Lasix, if you can't give Banamine, you have to be able to physically prepare that horse for the job that you're demanding of them, which is a lot of what we we preach here in the barn is, you know, don't phys- don't ask your horse to do something that's outside of the physical capabilities because I feel like that's where a lot of the soft tissue injuries and things like that come from is flat lack of preparation. Absolutely. You've um, got to condition your horses. And just yes. because they can do it and they will do it because they're going to do their job, doesn't mean that you're not going to cripple one. Right. Yes. You know, Agreed. that's how you 100%. get one. Because there's, I've ridden tons of horses in my life that they might not be fit enough or they might be hurting, but they're going to go out and do their job because they know that's what their job is. Um, but that's not fair to them. No, no exactly. Because like you said, we've got, at the end of the day, we're the advocate for them. Absolutely. You know, as a person, you can say, no, I'm not going to do that. Like you can tell your physical therapist, yeah, I'm not going to do that today. Or I'm not going to the gym today. Um, but you know, when we, when we put a halter on these horses and we ask them to saddle up, like most of the time, a horse with heart is going to meet the demand of what's asked, but at what price does that happen? And we have to have a responsibility for the animal that we have taken in under our roof and that we're taking care of. And we're asking them to do those things. We have to be the responsible person and making sure we're doing the right thing for them. You know, in England, uh, if a horse even bleeds, they cannot be used. They cannot be bred. They cannot be used uh, on the racetrack. They cannot even, they can't do anything. Plus, they don't give Lasix. It's all about conditioning. And yeah, so that, that forces again, you to prepare the horse for the job that you're asking absolutely. them to do because you know the risk if you don't. You can, you can eliminate so many issues, so many issues, just by conditioning your horse properly. And it doesn't mean just like in March when the weather starts getting better, we start riding again. You need to be conditioning all year long. I agree. Whether it's the cold weather and nebulizing once a week to keep their lungs healthy because they are in different temperatures and different things. You know, getting out there and lunging them. That doesn't mean getting out there and hauling butt across the pasture, you know, 9-0. That's going to create an issue. But it means constantly doing something to condition your horse. Yeah, because there's a lot of drills that we do that are on the ground. So if there's snow on the ground, there's a lot of the things that we do, like the backing and stretching and that type of exercise that still condition the body even if you can't tack up and ride because I don't have an arena and yeah. I certainly don't have an indoor. Right. Um, you know, and, and that's a big misconception that I deal with every day. Everybody's like, Oh, you don't have to ride your horses. You have an aqua tread. And I'm like, I'm still putting saddle time on. Absolutely. Like you have to ride. Yeah. It's not a replacement for riding, but it is a tool to get you an advantage or to get you a jump start on where you want to go. Mm-hmm. You know, so many times people get rid of a horse because, well, I can't get it to do this and it won't do that. And they sell it to someone else. And all of a sudden the horse is performing well. Well, if you look at what that horse, what that person is doing, more than likely they're conditioning that horse more than what this other person did, or they're they're looking at the all-around issues of the horse. 
And so again, conditioning is so important. Respiratory, you've got to look at all these things. So real quick before we wrap up this section, what scoping versus not scoping? We kind of barely touched on it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you mentioned, okay, if you're at a barrel race and you go ahead and treat the horse and it has no issues, you know, a horse that doesn't have alley issues, you don't think is a bleeder, whatever. Um, the difference between, you know, that horse is taking half a second off its time, it's doing really good, you don't necessarily want to go home and scope that no, horse. No, absolutely not. Um, so the ones you're wanting to scope are, you know, horses that we think have issues, we think that if are If they're bleeders. bleeding, if they're already bleeding, if they're coughing incessantly, if they're sluggish, if you're seeing nasal discharge, uh, you know, usually nasal discharge, you might want to check first, see if it's just allergens. But if they're bleeding, let's get them scoped and find out what's going, what's causing it. Because again, it can be several different things. Or, or any type of demeanor change. You know, right. you get a horse that all of a sudden is running down the fence and your vet can't find a lameness, you know, maybe start looking at the lung, lung capacity. Or, you know, all of a sudden your horse that normally goes up the alley is just having a fit and you and they're not going in they're refusing to jump they're refusing to go in they're refusing to work and there's not a prominent lameness yeah. uh, you know a lot of times i feel like okay we need to start looking for something else you got to pair up with your vet to kind of figure out like you know hey he's he's not acting like himself what is the issue here absolutely so you throw it into your rotation of what you're checking for you know anytime your horse has a behavioral issue you normally go to your lameness or you go to your ulcers now you need to go to your respiratory absolutely. as well so you throw that in your rotation of things you check before you just go whooping on one for not doing his job absolutely okay. agreed yeah let's ask why you know if he if he's always been eager to work let's ask why he's not mm -hmm. And have you done your job of conditioning him before you took him to that event? Agreed. That's got to be a huge, huge part of it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, we'll come back and do kind of some final thoughts here and close it up. Hands again. All right. Well, let's kind of, you know, form a conclusion here. So what other points, you know, have we missed anything? Have we missed any events? Like what, what other kind of important things do you feel like people need to know? Well, first of all, I can talk about respiratory for days, <laughs> days like and days yes. and days, because I am so passionate about this. Um, again, I think we've hit on a lot. We've hit on the high topics and the things that are most important. Uh, you know, what is the difference between silvers? What is the difference between equipment? Who needs to be doing this? Uh, what type of products do you need to use? Looking at labels, being your horse's advocate, mm -hmm. uh, those are the, the, the main key points that we need to look at. And again, if you go to our website, uh, we have a ton of information. I'm always scouring internet, uh, anything I can to find articles that I can put out there for our customers that can help them with, with different issues. You've got to do the research. And again, we try to do that. You can always pick up the phone and call me. I love, love talking about this. And if I don't know the answer, like I said earlier, I've got the, uh, the backing of the experts who can answer it for me. Well, and, and so like, here's another question is this, we talk a lot about performance horses because I mean, that's, that's a lot of what we treat here, but to be honest, I mean, like any horse could benefit from this, right? I Absolutely. Mean, I've got, I've got people that have bought systems for horses that are retired, that they're just seeing that they're having a little trouble breathing. And so they do that. I have a lot of trail riders. Uh, this is we have in the last five years and we've only been in business five years we started out with the barrel horses but we're really starting to break into all the other disciplines uh for the longest time team ropers didn't think you know we're not going to do this and now we've got people posting pictures of team roping horses right uh the rainers the uh again the equestrians the the uh um 
trail riders, those are all. Yeah, your endurance riders. Everybody. I would feel like that would be really yeah. prominent there. Well, and I think that, you know, it's also a good thing that it's such an easy to use unit because I feel like, you know, like, especially in like the youth rodeo industry or like the youth show industry, having a product or a, and a piece of equipment that's easy for anyone to use because a lot of those youth riders, I feel like are on those been there, done that horses yeah. that have had a lot of miles on them already. And so you're trying to continue, continue the lifespan of that horse and the quality of life of that horse because they may be starting on something that's older and already had a bunch of miles. Absolutely. And we have so many kids that do the treatments themselves. You know, it's, we have three pieces. Basically, you've got the, the, the mechanics of it, the compressor, the controller, whatever you want to call it, the mask, and then the medicine cup. So there's, it's not hard to do. We have videos on our website showing just how easy it is to do. If I had a dollar for everyone that came up when we were doing treatments at events saying, oh, my horse will never do that. They won't stand. And, I said, you know, just let me try. Just let me try one time. And we get the horse in the stall. I put the mask on him, and the horse falls asleep. Uh, the horse picks up on the person's anxiety. I don't have anxiety when I'm doing that horse. Right. So that's the biggest fallback that we have uh, is people not realizing that it is so super easy to do. And it's not rocket science. Yeah, and, and I feel like that's, well, and, and talk a little bit about, like, I know you've helped out in some of the cases of wildfires yes. and, and barn fires and things like that, and this has played a key role in being able to heal up these horses. Absolutely. Uh, I've worked in West Texas, the uh, California fires. Uh, before I came in here to do this, I got a call from Australia, uh, so we're going to see what we can do to help out there. Uh, I work with the large animal rescue here in Oklahoma, so it's nebulizing on any animal if there's a barn fire or just like tornadoes or different things where anything's blowing up it, it's going to help it's not going to hurt the horse whatsoever awesome well and and coming you know kind of switching gears here a little bit to a little more of an entrepreneur standpoint um you know what advice can you give people that have an idea because i don't want to say your idea is absurd but I'm pretty sure you ran into some hurdles whenever you were starting and you're like, Hey, I'm going to develop this for horses and people look at you like you are insane. Oh, you have no idea. And so, you know, like how, how did you transition from somebody with an idea to creating a brand that's recognized worldwide now? <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a lot. Matter of fact, my, the people, the company that I get my uh, compressors from, they thought I was stark raving crazy <laughs> until I sold them out of everything they had in Oklahoma in the first six months, actually in the United States. And now you have their attention. Yeah. It was the first time, and I've been in manufacturing for 15 years. With Medline, we manufactured a lot. It's the first time I've ever heard of a company, a major company, coming to an entrepreneur saying, we were thinking about getting into human nebulization, but we like what you're doing. What would you like? And they allowed me to design and develop my own system. Uh, that is pretty much unheard of. But one of the first things I got to say is you got to have a passion. You've got to, you can have all the great ideas in the world, but if you don't have the passion, if you don't do the research to, to know what you're doing, uh, you're not, you're, it's not going to work as well. Uh, you've got to understand what is going on in that so many people I, I like to use the analogy of people like to get into restaurant business everyone thinks because they can cook they can get into the restaurant business it doesn't work that way you've got to know what you're doing so when you're looking at, at going into your own business do your research be passionate about it talk to people that have been doing it in my case I didn't really have that many I had bets that could tell me they didn't like it so that's why I, I developed something that went to the end user 
Um, for me, social media has been phenomenal at building my business. Facebook has been probably the number one thing and word of mouth. Uh, but Facebook, people posting what we call the Equus selfies, posting the testimonials, talking about it, uh, you know, how it has helped their horse, that has been huge. Right. And you've got to be responsive to your customers. If your customer has an issue, you've got to be right there to help them. Yeah. That it, is it, extremely important. Well, and I feel like, you know, again, the educate, being able to educate your customers right. is, um, you know, I know when I started here, like public speaking was 100% not my forte, but... It's one of the things like I've had to advance my skill set because I need to educate my customers, you oh, know, absolutely. And, and that's part of why we do the podcast. That's why it exists. I'm never, if you'd have told me 10 years ago, I was going to have a podcast and talk on the internet. I'd be like, no, I'm not. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go work on horses. See yeah. you later. But I feel like that's where people learn and that's where you're able to be able to separate your good information from your bad information is by continuing to learn yourself. And if we don't have information out there for people to learn from, you're just limiting yourself. Absolutely. And again, when I very first started, people would post stuff on Facebook about this or that, and you'd get all these different things. And uh, I can't tell you how many times people, you know, would call and say, you know, I'm worried about this hurting my horse. It's going to build up in their system. It's going to turn them blue. I mean, seriously. Have you, blue. Seriously. <laughs> <coughs> had somebody, it's like, no, it's not. Um, you know, educating what Equisilver is and that it was actually developed by a vet. It's been used day of race at Churchill Downs. It is a proven product. And having to explain what nebulization is and how it can help and what it does. I spent two years literally on Facebook always answering questions and counter, countering a lot of misconceptions out there about what it could or couldn't do. Right. There is a lot of misconceptions. And again, there's people that have tried to jump on the bandwagon and they're offering products that literally can hurt a horse. And so now I'm having to uh, try to contradict that as much as possible with the true science behind it. Well, and I feel like that's a lot of what, what we deal with in the rehab thing too, is it's like, you know, I tell people like, you can take the same piece of equipment that I'm able to help a lot of horses with and you can injure a lot of horses. You know, yeah. your equipment is only as good as, as the person using it. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, there's a big need for education and I feel like people are hungry to learn. You know, I feel like everybody that gets on this podcast and listens, I get messages and messages and they're like, thank you for doing this. Like we learn so much from it. And you know, that's one of my goals is on the education th side of things to provide as many great resources for my customers to be able to learn from mm -hmm. as, as I can find. But I'm the same as you. Like I want to have the backing. Like I'm not going to just have anybody like, if we represent a product, it's something that we use in Absolutely. our barn. And there's a reason. If you walk up and ask me why, I'm going to tell you what I like about it. Absolutely. And, and that's kind of, you know, how we based our business. But like I said, I'm also about the entrepreneur. Like, you know, how, how do we kind of encourage the next generation? Because maybe some little girl listening will be the next big um, equine respiratory Absolutely. therapist or doctor. Or everything's always changing. And so I feel like we've got to kind of change with it to kind of excel. Absolutely. And again, that's where talk to the people that are in the business that are doing it. Um, and again, research is key. You've got to talk to, if you're going to do something in the equine world, talk to your vets. Make yes. sure that you're talking Align to yourself vets, with, some with a good, good vets. vets. Make sure that they're, they're uh, there for the right reasons and align yourself with them. Do your research, find the books, go, go to every clinic that you can think of. Um, and again, internet can offer a ton of information for you if you use it wisely. Right. 
So where it, where can everybody find you if they've got more questions or they want to go watch videos or read okay. articles? Um, so how do we find you on the World Wide Web? Okay, our uh, website is Equiresp, and I know that's a hard name, but it stands for Equine Respiratory. And there's take a the, hyphen in there. Like, let's go ahead. Way. Let, we can do it either way. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because we made sure that people Everybody's find the same way. Right. <laughs> but it's just www.equiresp.com. And again, just take the first four letters of equine respiratory and you've got our name. Okay. Uh, go to us on Facebook. We're also on Facebook. Uh, and again, our website has videos on everything you can think of, how to set up the system, uh, technical issues, uh, doing a treatment stu or article studies, the nuclear scintigraphy studies there to show what we've done to prove our, our system. Uh, and I'm always adding to it. So don't just look at it once. If I will always put something out on our Facebook page. So please like us on Facebook. I'll put it out on Facebook first and then I'll put it on our website. Okay. So people can always get some type of information about whatever issue there is in respiratory. Well, and I feel like another thing that maybe we didn't touch on that might be one good closing point is, you know, like, of course, I feel like your equipment is very, very reasonably priced, but I'm also going to guess you probably don't see a lot of units come back. Like, even though it's an initial investment to mm -hmm. buy, these units are designed to last and last oh, and last through countless treatments. And so... Even though, you know, the upfront cost may be something that you have to budget or save for, it's going to pay itself out in the long run. Absolutely. I can't tell you how many people said, if I'd only bought this first instead of all the different drugs, the supplements, the different things that I did. When you start adding all that up and then the going to the vet and coming back and, and all that, this system pays for itself in no time. It has Everything has a two-year warranty on it, but we've had systems out there for five years that right. they just keep a licking and... Uh, and keep on ticking. Um, our, we designed this so be, knowing that horses could drag it or pull it or do different things. Right. Um, <laughs> so we made it very durable and they do hold up. And again, we don't have system. We have less than a 0 .05 fail rate on our uh, elite systems. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. And I think it's something, I mean, as a rehab professional, like I think every rehab needs to have this piece of equipment in, in their Absolutely. Yeah, it needs to definitely be in your toolbox of things because the better, better oxygen quality. I mean, that's what we're always preaching: is better circulation, better oxygen, and all of those things are a key component to being able to heal the body and improve the quality of life for the horse. Absolutely. So, and I just, I am so proud of, of Summer for doing this <laughs> and for doing these podcasts. This is not something easy to do with everything else she has going on. So I encourage you all to tell your friends, make sure your friends are, are following her on this and on her Facebook page and everything. So please, thank you very much for everything you do. Yeah. And thank you for being on here. And so as always, you can find us online at superiortherapyllc.com. You can also find us on Facebook under the same name. We also do a Facebook group, which is Superior Therapy Discussion Central. And, you know, that's the group's kind of the key place. If you want to make sure you're getting the information first, catch us on the group. But thanks for joining me and thanks for sitting down. And as always, may the horse be with y'all. Happy trails.